Originally, I was planning to, well, I guess you could call it like a quasi-review of the film Gucci, which, as I stated in a prior episode, or just in a, for a mere mention, was that I wasn't necessarily a big fan or relatively impressed by it. That isn't me bashing Ridley Scott or questioning his skills as a filmmaker. I think he's a fantastic filmmaker, always will be. But I did mention that he was lately a hit-or-miss director and... Or has become one. I mean, to me, I think his best work involves films like Alien, Blade Runner, uh, Gladiator's Great American Gangster. <laughs> In my opinion, it's underrated as fuck. Because I don't really hear people talking about it that much. At the same time, though, I'd like to take into account that lately he's made several films that I've been a little skeptical about. I mean, I honestly think the last great, truly great and unique film he made was Alien Covenant, which I'm glad to say that there are some people who defend that movie as a way of illustrating the quality of which it speaks. But that doesn't change the fact that I wasn't necessarily... I mean, I haven't seen The Duel. Or The Duel yet. Or is it called The Duelists? I forget. But I wasn't a fan of House of Gucci based on what I'm saying on it. In fact, for those of you who are curious, I implore you to watch the film with low expectations. It is a well-shot film, well-acted, but God, it is a lot of, there's a lot of nothing really take place. Granted, I think I agree with Bill, Bill Simmons from The Rewatchables that Jared Leto was really over the top. Not saying he is in other roles, but in this one it just felt like he was out of place. Anyway, moving on to the main subject of this of this episode, because it has less to do with my review on Gucci, but I had to get my comments out there. It has more to do with something I find rather interesting going on in our current culture, because it all goes back to an interview I saw of Alan Moore. It's kind of like in one of those gimmicky uh, magic shops. I don't like one of the places I'd like to hang out with a guy who looks insane and talks, uh, well, relevant and sensible shit, despite looking fucked up beyond belief. Not to judge Alan Moore's look, but I think any a normal person, if they were to look at him, they would think he's insane and crazy, despite the fact that what he says actually makes sense. And the way he clarifies his statement sounds more rational than some baser generalization that an average person would make. I'm sure that an av- if an average person looked at his comic book Watchmen or the movie Watchmen, they think it's a superhero movie. Well, a standard superhero movie or just another superhero film or another superhero interpretation, when in reality, it's a, self ref- no, it's a reflection and an analysis of superheroes in modern culture and how that could lead to something more fascistic. Hell, as right, as conservative and, and randy and as Rorschach is, he's not a guy you really want to root for, given that he does have an objectified sense of justice, very binary. Yes, he sees things that most people don't see. You could argue that he's very Nietzschean, but I could say that there, he borders on an extreme, which can be very risky, given the fact that he is dead set on his morals, and he will not let anybody stop him, that he breeds the potential for a, for a form of fascism that I think most people would be accepting of, 
given that it's disguised, disguised itself very well, especially for the lore of superhero mythology. But that doesn't... But my... The thing I'm going to talk about with Alan Moore has more to do with something he kind of joked about. I mean, the way he was, he was going about it is kind of funny because, I mean, some guys were bringing up issues with the guys interviewing him. I don't know who they were or what they were really talking about, but it was still relatively interesting given the subject matter. It was about the apocalypse, and they were mentioning things like climate change, ecological collapse, and uh, please, for those of you listening and hopefully still entertained by my pointless babbling, I hope you can at least forgive me for what I feel still will come off as a half-assed version of an Alan Moore impression. But I'm going to still do my best. When he was asked, do you think that the apocalypse is right around the corner? No, he's, they were on the verge of the apocalypse. He says, well, naturally, I think the apocalypse is right around the corner. And I think it's going to be great. There, that is my Alan Moore impression. Judge it for what you think of it. But I did find that the way he delivered that rather hilarious. But... That was just my general impression of it. And at the time, even after he went into greater detail regarding what he was meaning by the word apocalypse, because one thing our culture has been constantly fed and to our own psychological and intellectual detriment has been that the apocalypse is essentially the end of the world. Now, there is an element of truth to that, but you really have to... Think of yourself, what exactly is the world? We think of the world often in terms of planet Earth, the globe, the spherical realm we call our home. But really, that's not really what we're thinking of. I mean, let's, I mean, even in the most drastic apocalyptic films, the world doesn't necessarily come to, the planet Earth doesn't necessarily blow up, get destroyed, or even get anywhere near that. If anything, you just see all you see in those films is mass panic, a lot of psychological deconstruction, people going insane to a point where the idea of sanity being in the tone of the film is just mere wishful thinking. And that only leads you to agree with Alan Moore's view that the world is essentially a construct, an idea. And he even illustrated that the, wor- the real meaning of the word apocalypse means revelation. And he's a st- and he's assigning it more within the terms of a psychological revelation. Basically, and then he, I guess, basically, you create the world you inhabit for your choices and your thoughts. Now, that isn't a way of saying that you control reality. So much you control your version of reality. I guess that's a better way of putting it. And Alan Moore went on to further say that no, he used an example of the future or our own perceptions of the future. How one of the misconceptions most people have is that, well, two misconceptions is that the future is either going to remain the same, so why bother preparing for it, or it's going to get infinitely worse, which is which only illustrates the point he made about why getting why get prepared for it either way. I hope I didn't butcher the way I delivered that. I kind of got ahead of myself. But there is some truth to what he's saying because 
the idea of the future should be more optimistic because everybody tries to make preparations for the future. So clearly, there's already a, le a reliance on the fact that it might be much more optimistic than we, ought to, we often assume it will be. And that's why we're preparing for it. But there is a redundancy to the idea of, a, of those two assumptions he mentioned and how we often assume that either nothing will ever really change or it will get infinitely worse. And I do agree with that. That just seems like the sensible way that human beings often live. I mean, take for instance the many economic crashes and the economic bull cycles we've had. At one point, people live, live in the bull cycle like things are always going to get infinitely better and nothing can stop the high that they're feeling in that moment. And then, when you compare that to something like the depression that comes after, people adopt a much more cynical and pessimistic view of the world, almost to the point where they don't believe things are going to get better, that things will only get worse and worse, and there's no real point, even though they're continuing to live. And instead of thinking, and still, instead of having a self-awareness of these two binary contradictions, they don't develop the self-awareness in order to imagine a better future and actually prepare for it in the sense that it actually will hail, I can't believe I'm using that word, but it will illustrate some measure of change where they can have a better life and even embrace the new changes that are going on. And I think we're in a current state like that because, look, it's dumb to beat around the bush and assume the things that are not changing or that the world is, that just because things are moving slowly in some levels and, fa and rapidly in others, that that's just a natural pattern of how the world has been. And in a sense, there's some truth to that because things are always changing. We just don't see them that much or we don't pay attention to them, uh, pay as much attention as we should. And uh, let's be brutally honest. I think with all the technological advances we've had over the past few decades, especially in the past decade, people's attention spans have been massively depleted. And the COVID pandemic and the lockdowns and how that affected the educational process of many students in public schooling will have a lot of, of social detriment on the generations to come. I mean, the United States wasn't exactly in a good place when it came to liter to literary, but we'll just have to see. At the same time, though, these small changes lead to, no, these small advances or disadvantages, changes, whatever you want to call them, they always lead to much bigger things. And we start to see little bits of it almost in a sense where we're going to get a better idea. It's going to be confusing at first, but as we self-reflect and look at them more closely, we'll then have a better idea of where they're going. I mean, Alan Moore sees this as more of a positive thing because he knows that there's a bigger picture in play because, let's face it, things have always gone through a process of change, whether we like it or not. And although we like to feel that they don't necessarily change, I think that's just a byproduct of of the generation and the present time. Basically, if you're used to living life or perceiving life one way throughout the course of your existence, it's gonna be very difficult to adopt the idea of rapid changes as your, 
as you grow older and older and the world only goes, becomes more confusing. And there's some irony as to when that interview took place. I mean, it says it was posted back in 2010, but I actually checked that the original date of which that interview took place was right around, was right around 2008. And I think it was before or after the financial crash of 2008. I'm not entirely certain. I'll have to check that again, and maybe I'll confirm it in another video. But I think there's something interesting about that, because in many ways, even though some people haven't completely acknowledged the true drastic changes that resulted from the crash of 2008, and I'm not just talking about in terms of economics and the financial impact it had on people on a larger scale, given that not only did it lead to, a, to the, mass, the printing of massive amounts of money, kind of what the COVID pandemic led to, and to an even greater extent that it's pretty clear that there's going to be another financial crash at some point. We just don't know when, given how, how much the Federal Reserve has been trying to prevent it by raising interest rates, and only up until the next time they do decide to print more money. And that'll probably be after shit hits the fan. It's very hard because when people say history repeats itself, people who listen to that statement misread that as though it repeats itself in the exact same framework, when really it just takes on the rhythm of something similar that the familiarity and the sense of deja vu that accompanies it only confirms the acknowledgement of that statement. So when Alan Moore, um, uh, well, yeah, basically, yeah, when Alan Moore talks about the psychological revelation of an apocalypse and how healthy it is, he's obviously saying that, that we, in many ways, reality itself can often be in the form of simulation. I hope that's a good way of putting it, because, let's face it, I grew up in the 90s and I lived, a, and I lived a, in a very comfortable lifestyle, but as I got older and older, I became aware that things weren't always as comfy, cozy as I was made to believe. That world wasn't perfect. It wasn't as black and white as I was told to be. And as, new, as things like 9-11 and 2008 happened, I became more aware of the deeper, of the deeper lies that painted our world. And this even makes me think of a quote from my, one of my favorite animes, Code Geass, where one of the characters says, he, you, he, he recites several of the Ten Commandments, but as a way of illustrating that they are just that they are just lies, that the world lies, that the strong should devour the weak, that thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor, neighbor's wife. But he's he's only reciting those as a way of pointing out that only the weak only the weak people don't want that happening. And only the strong have the right to practice them if they have the willingness to. I'm not advocating for that kind of social Darwinism, but I'm just illustrating how people who have that level of self-awareness have an understanding, and probably even healthy one in terms of the self-awareness, not in the direction of which they live their lives, on how the world itself is a construct. The world is a construct that affects the majority of the masses. So much so that all their behaviors, their patterns of thinking, the way they conduct themselves on a daily basis, 
is all based on those on that construct. But what happens when that construct changes? Well, you get the kind of psychological revelation that is probably met with a lot of hostility at first before adopting a much more healthy approach. And one example of this can be the current economic crisis that we're currently undergoing, where there's still a lot of unemployment, inflation is still rampant, interest rates are, well, there's debate as to whether they're going to stop raising them for a temporary amount of time, but who's to say? It's hard to define, to predict what the Fed's going to do next, because I doubt even they know what they're going to do next. But the point I'm trying to illustrate is that this type, these types of, uncer- of societal and economic uncertainties change the construct and the way of thinking people confront the world and their patterns. I mean, people who were probably loose and easygoing with money in the past, as a result of how things have changed over time, have probably become much more hostile, more paranoid, more uncertain, more depressed. And let's be honest, since 2008, the world hasn't been the same. It's become much more hostile, more paranoid, more distrusting, more less incentivized to value time as opposed to the money in which they feel is buying them time, but it's just really keeping the time, whatever sense of time they have on some false notion of life support. But that's only going to, that itself will only fall apart in the next economic crisis and the next one and the next one. I guess, and I guess this relates to the idea of Bitcoin, which I'm not promoting in this episode, even though several of the sponsors or the affiliate links I leave in each episode description are Bitcoin related. And I implore anybody listening to this to to click on them because, hey, you get a reward and you know what? You're able to reward yourself in the hardest money ever. But I'm not going to advertise that. But I do mention Bitcoin because I think that there's something interesting about it because it fixes some financial problem that our world has been based on for so long. I mean, we've all heard the the phrase, which is kind of a caricature of a greedy, money-hungry tycoon, time is money. But what if you were to flip that idea and say money is time? And that reverts to the optionality that money gives us. I mean... Look, nobody, no rational human being really believes that money brings happiness. But they find some sense of happiness in money, not because they want to buy or acquire more stuff, but because I think they're rational and self-aware enough to grasp the real purpose of money and that it gives them the op- optionality to, va- to appreciate the time it grants them in a much more ethical and even efficient manner. I mean, I've never seen any reason why, even if I had billions of dollars to buy a load of stupid shit that I don't need, like one of those wheelies or a fucking mansion or a boat. I mean, those are nice things, don't get me wrong. They are very nice, but they can distract from the true value money can give you in terms of time. Now, there's a flip side to that because having too many options itself can create a measure, a level of anxiety that totally warps and even psychologically cripples you to the point where you're a fucking neurotic or you're un- incapable of making a decision whether as a where which relates to some statements Descartes made about choice and how if a person is uncertain about the choice indecisive about 
the choice they make. One of them is usually it's because their passions are too great. I don't know the other part of that, but I guess you could say that there's some accuracy to that. But, and there's accuracy to what uh, Alan Moore said about the apocalypse and how it can be a healthy thing to have a psychological revelation that changes your entire framework of the world. I'm inclined to think in that sense because, let's face it, nobody likes being bullshit, dude. Nobody, no rational person likes living a lie. I mean, if, I mean, and, and how The Matrix is probably one of the best films to illustrate that. As great as it would be to live in the reality of the character Cypher, the character Cypher played by Joe Pontliano wanted, at the end of the day, if you know it's bullshit, if you know it's a lie, and if you know it's a fabrication as opposed to reality, even if you can enjoy the lie, it's only going to be temporary before you realize there's no turning back now that the curtain has been unveiled. And that's a good thing. I mean, whatever changes come from what's going on at the moment, whatever 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 direction the world takes, whether it becomes de-dollarized and, and adopts a hyper-Bitcoinized standard of finance, or whether it all goes to shit, I think being honest with ourselves about how things are never going to really be the same, and things will never, but things will never be the same, but assuming that they'll get infinitely worse, is not a healthy way of approaching it, especially when you have the self-awareness to know that that it, the world itself is just merely a construct. And maybe that's the first step towards a better, healthier perception of the future, as opposed to assuming it's just pure doom and gloom. I mean, I've battled depression before in the past, and I had a friend once tell me that in spite of all the bullshit, if you can grasped that things will get better, you will get through it. And I really value that advice. I won't say it's always helped me, but that's my own fault because again, it's my, well, it's, it's all up to me to decide whether I can embrace it and how I can embrace it as opposed to just assuming the more doom and gloom, pessimistic perspective. Anyway, I'm running out of things to say because I can only babble on and on about how looking at the world in a binary view of negativity is not relatively healthy. But I implore everybody to listen to this episode, hopefully gleam something from it on an intellectual level. Oh, and do check out that Alan Moore clip I referenced because aside from the wisdom it aspires, it's still fun to watch Alan Moore because he's just such an interesting and cool dude that I would love to have a conversation with him. Fuck, I would like to be in one of the rooms he's in when he makes these statements because they just look really cool and awesome. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Open Door Films. And uh, till next time.